I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know, journalists, insiders, all of whom can break down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Listen now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it, all that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic Drive-Ins. The Rewatchables is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find The Watch with Chris Ryan. Still cranking it out even after succession ended. Pushing that boulder up the hill for you, man. Every day. What are you thinking? What are the What are the shows this this month that are coming? We got a little Black Mirror. Oh, we got Righteous Gemstones and The Bear. Those are the ones I'm really excited for. The Bear. Okay. Yeah. There you go. My name is Bill Simmons. We're gonna do Blood Diamond, and we're gonna talk about the year of Leo. That's next. In Africa, it's all about diamonds. You owe me money. I'll take a stone as payment. My son. The only reason you're still alive is because you haven't told anyone where it is. The right stone can buy anything. Safety, even freedom. What's it gonna be, bro? Kill them all! Leonardo DiCaprio. Blood Diamond. Look for it on DVD. Blood Diamond, 2006, a movie that did really well, but then became immortalized when Cousin Sal, after Tony Romo botched the extra point snap, uh, went to go see the movie with his wife and started crying in the theater. And she thought it was because he was a sensitive guy, but it was really because he was upset about the cowboy sauce. <laughs> what, is that a um, true story? <laughs> that's a true story, yeah. So it, ever since then, we've always joked about Cousin Sal in the theater at the end of uh, a Blood Diamond. Just, do you, just does he remember like who who the Cowboys were playing? Because I hope it was Brian Dawkins. <laughs> they were playing Seattle, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, this is the year of Leo. This is a great movie, and it's a shockingly rewatchable movie for how kind of grim the plot is and just some of the stuff it's about. But the last twenty five minutes of this movie are almost unassailably great and have aged really, really well. The ending's great. Um, the big thing for me with this movie, Chris Ryan, Leo has The Departed and then Blood Diamond in the same year. 
And it's almost like in sports when an athlete puts it just all together and just has that, just rips through everything and wins the title. It's a little like what, what's happening, it seems like, with Jokic right now. Um, Leo had all this promise. Titanic, he becomes the most famous actor in the world. He wasn't the best. Um, and then it kind of just gradually builds to this 06 year where for the Oscars, he throws his lot behind Blood Diamond and loses. And we talked about this on The Departed pod. We actually thought he might have been better in The Departed, but this was the year he became a mega superstar A-plus lister, right? Yeah, and I, I know this is weird, but is this the year he became a man too? Because I was looking at- An adult at, male actor. Yeah, because yeah, I was wondering whether anyone has ever managed- the transition from being a teen heartthrob to like a serious adult actor to then basically like a grizzled Steve McQueen, Paul Newman, Robert Redford type leading man better than Leo. It's it's uncanny to watch. Look, look at his IMDb or his filmography and just see that transition. He plots out his career. I'm sure he has some luck. It's great that he gets to work with Scorsese so many times. But the choices that he makes and you can see his taste evolve as well. Like, yeah. You watch him in this movie, you're not like, oh, it's the guy from Basketball Diaries and Growing Pains. It's like, no, that's a that's a, a man. Yeah, it's so funny. I thought the same thing. So he's 32 in 2006. Early 30s when he makes both of those movies. There are two movies I wasn't sure he had in them, in him, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, right? Like, we did Catch Me If You Can on this podcast. And, you know, he's he's kind of young. He's skinny. He's... It's a really good Leo performance, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who three years later is going to be, you know, in Africa trying to find a diamond and fighting people and pulling guns and running and just shooting everybody. Like it just, I didn't know if he had that in him. Yeah. From this year on, it's, he has it in him. If you watch uh, Catch Me If You Can, you don't think, I'm no fucking cop. It's coming. (laughs) It's coming (laughs) just a couple of years later. And when we talked about like him versus the greats, the greats can kind of morph into these different types of genres and roles, right? That's what Newman could do. Um, that's what Nicholson could do. I, I just didn't think Leo had it in him. But after this, it seemed like the uh, the ceiling was off. It's one of the best, I just think from a rewatchable standpoint, it's one of the best years anybody's had. We Absolutely. did Jim Carrey last week about, he did Dumb and Dumber, Mask, and Ace Ventura on the same year, which is unbelievable. I'm sure we'll... We did one. We'll probably end up doing the other two relatively soon. But um, for this, like for re-fucking watchable movies, the weird thing about Blood Diamond is just the plot and it's, you know, what it's about. It's that there's there's not exactly, uh, it's not exactly a fun roller coaster ride the whole time. There's some really grim shit in here. And yet he's so good in it. Um, and then Jaiman Hansu, who's unbelievable in this movie. And then our queen, JC. When we have the queen rankings, I, I know we've had it. We've we've anointed a couple queens, but she might be the queen. She I would might say be my single favorite. In my JC rankings, she's top two and she's not two. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great run for her, too. Let's go through that really quickly, actually. She, you know, kid actor. Then has this really weird stretch here where um, she was almost cast in Heather's. They wrote the movie Heather's for 1988, and she doesn't want to do it. And it becomes the part that puts Winona Ryder on the map. Almost gets Say Anything in 1989. 
Cameron Crowe goes with Ioni Sky instead. So she has this, she's in the hot spot, which was like this weird yeah. erotic thriller with Dennis Virginia Hopper Madsen. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's in career opportunities, which they basically took advantage of how hot, what hot teenager she was. That was like the whole marketing with Frank Whaley. Then she's in The Rocketeer in 1991, but it never really happens. But everyone my age was absolutely in love with her. She goes to Yale, transfers to Stanford. And then kind of bounces around in the 90s and she's in a bunch of movies and it doesn't really happen. And then all of a sudden in 2000, she's in Requiem for a Dream. She's amazing in it. Not not a comedy. Um, and she rips off this run. She's in Pollock. She wins the Supporting Actress Oscar in Beautiful Mind. She's really good in that movie. She's in Hulk, which didn't work. She's in uh, Dark Water and Little Children and Blood Diamond. And then she's in uh, Revolutionary Road. And she just has this seven-year stretch where... Um, she's one of the best dramatic actresses we had. Un uncanny turnaround for her, right? Like she was just like, oh, this really cute teenager from the late eighties. You know, added it was like basically her and Amanda Peterson and a couple others. Yeah, and then all of a sudden she blew up. She is the other side of the coin to what happens with Leo in this movie, where she was like this teen icon, and especially even though she wasn't as like prevalent as some of her like generational cohort she definitely had these iconic teen roles vanishes yeah. and then comes back and is in requiem on is like just like super serious dramatic actress and a woman like an adult woman right and it, and it is it's kind of fascinating to see the two of them probably as much by circumstance than by choice manage their careers this way and i gotta say i mean like she could probably be more famous but it's hard to have a better career than she's had I mean, she's going up through Top Gun Maverick. Like, she's just had like a really, really, really awesome run of movies and work that she's done over the years. And it's probably some of it is probably down to the fact that she chose to live in Brooklyn too. Like, I I respect the fact that she has like her own life that she rocks and and isn't isn't an LA person. Yeah, she had a kid in 1997 with somebody. Then she got married in the early 2000s and had she married Paul Bettany. Had two more kids. So she she's kind of. After she was red hot after Beautiful Mind, she took two years off. Never seemed like she was totally a psychotic about, I'm going to be, you know, one of the biggest actresses in the world. She was just having her career doing her thing. But it's, it's, it's one of those careers that's better than I realized as I was looking through it. Like, I knew it was a good career. But, like, I had forgotten she won Best Supporting Actress. She never had that one, you know... Iconic part, like even somebody like Sandra Bullock, where she had the blind side and she mm -hmm. won the Oscar, and it's like, oh yeah, they like you would point to that. That's in the first sentence. She never had like the first sentence part, really, until Top Gun, which became one of the biggest movies of all time. And even though she's not in it that much, she's really important, and she actually brings out chemistry of Cruise, which was like fucking impossible at this point. Um, but that that's been her. I would say one of her best legacies is she has an ability to just get chemistry going with all these different types of famous actors where they just fit. You just totally believe that she's locked in with those guys, you know? Yeah. You know, she was, uh, I was wondering in the early 2000s whether she was going to be kind of like in the more of the, I guess, like Nicole Kidman vein where she was basically going to do awards parts. And so the fact that she's now like this completely radiant movie star again is pretty awesome. Yeah. She's also a Brooklyn Nets day one, which I, I do respect. <laughs> uh, you know, so her her and Bettany are, are big yeah. courtside Nets people back, I think almost to the D'Lo Spencer Dinwiddie days, but they stuck it out through the Mikhail Bridges 
Cam Johnson postseason this year, and I, I I salute them. She also never really did the Big Little Lies season two, like not just the I, like, not, not yet, yeah, not yet. Probably coming, but never did the. Yeah, I'll do. I'll take the prestige TV. She was check in Snowpiercer, in which was kind of like a very doomed project that was like always being advertised on TNT and then being delayed, but. Uh, yeah. I, I could see her doing. I think she's got another show she's going to do. But yeah, she never did the the big mayor of East Town thing. She's awesome in this movie, and she's she's older than Leo in real life. But you don't think about it in the movie because you think like she when she was when her career was taken off in the late eighties, early nineties. Leo was like the little kid on Growing Pains, right? Yeah. And so it, just generally, generationally, in my head, she was just a different generation than he was. But in the movie, you don't feel it at all. Yeah, and, and then, you mentioned uh, how dark this movie is. The reason why it's rewatchable is because it's also Casablanca in the in the middle of it with these two people finding each other in like a war-torn nation. You know what I mean? So it's Totally. Like the, Every that, scene with them is really good. Yes. Like I wouldn't be like, oh man, I would have cut that scene. Like every time they're on the screen together, I'm like, I'm in. This is like this weird rom-com in the middle of this pretty savage movie. Yeah. And then Jaiman Hansu is another one who's had like a way better career than I think you realize, you know, like he's obviously in Amistad and takes off, but he's been, he's had a lot of good parts over the years. He was even in the pilot of 90210. I don't know if you know that, Chris. He, I, I didn't. I, I didn't <laughs> until I was researching this. Yeah. Uh, I know. I mean, I think I know him best from Gladiator. Gladiator is my favorite. He's awesome in this. I mean, he dials it up a couple times. We'll we'll talk about that later. But um, but I you know that that thing with him and Leo has to work where their relationship is so complicated. And at a couple points, it's like, is Leo gonna fuck this guy over? Is Leo like is is he laying out for Leo too much? But he always feels like he has his dignity and kind of sees Leo for who he is, even till the bitter end. He's like, I thought you were gonna take the diamond. Um he kind of, he kind of knows the score, but he also like he he wants to get a son. He knows the diamonds, the chance. I always like believe the arc in this movie for him. I think he does a good job. Yeah, he's he's got like a presence and like a seriousness that he brings to this movie where he doesn't feel. It feels like very real with him, whereas like with the other two, it's like, well, these are fucking movie stars. But John Hansu is like, he's got an authenticity that I think this movie really needs, especially. And you and he's got to be the third part of this movie. He and when it turns, because there is kind of like this interesting point in the movie where essentially like for two-thirds of it it's this on again off again kind of romance between the conley character and the dicaprio character and then he leaves her at this military base and it becomes a road movie with the john right. hansu character and it's it, it actually is like another whole story within it i mean do you want to talk a little bit about ed zwick and these kinds of movies that basically don't get made anymore i'm so ready to talk about ed zwick i have this written down the best producer director you never think about or have conversations about. His career is unbelievable. I here's here's a brief list for the listeners. He directs about last night, 1986, which was really like one of the first great rom-coms. Yeah. Like for Demi Moore, Rob Lowe. It really tries to do a lot. It's a little dated now. They tried to remake it, but um I, it's an important 80s movie. It is. He does Glory, which does really well and and Puts Denzel on the map as a movie actor to some degree. He was the St. Elsewhere guy. And then Denzel's kind of his De Niro. For like right. his, he works with Denzel like three, four more times. He creates 30 something. 
which was a prestige show before we had prestige TV and became this very important adult drama. He directs Legends of the Fall. He's one of the EPs for My So-Called Life, which becomes an iconic teen drama for one year and gets canceled. He does Courage Under Fire, which a movie that I think both of us really oh, like. Oh, I love that movie. Incredible um, Damon. He is one of the reasons Shakespeare in Love ends up getting made, and he's the one of the producers on that. That wins the Oscar. He's one of the EPs of Traffic because his, his company's doing that at that point. That becomes another Oscar movie. Um, the Siege, he directs. The Last Samurai, he directs. Blood Diamond, he directs. He creates once and again. And then he's an EP on Nashville, the Connie Britton show. It's a fucking 35 years, 35 years of bangers. Impressive. And so he basically makes these really prestigious, issue-driven genre movies. So big yeah. thriller action films that With are big stars about some socio-political issue that 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 he finds fascinating or historical issue in the case of Last Samurai. And I guess the the knock against him would be that in Glory and in uh and in Blood Diamond, like the drama is basically shot through the perspective or the lens of of these white characters. But that yep. being said, like this movie made what like 170 million dollars like this movie did really well these movies were successful uh partially yeah. because they had these major movie stars in them like denzel in courage under fire or denzel in the siege like i, I the siege is an awesome movie you know like yeah you can go back and forth about what it's about but he just had this connection with some movie stars where like they would they would probably be interested in making something that felt more thoughtful but was still entertaining and for this whole swath of time, I mean, pretty much ending at Blood Diamond, and because right after Blood Diamond is when like the superhero movies come in and everything, but like there was just a huge market for people who were like, yeah, let's go see this this movie about African Civil War or about domestic terrorism or about you know all, all these issues, and that that is pretty much gone as a box office play now. It's also gone the era of a white guy making a movie like yeah. Glory or this movie. I don't. Yeah. I just don't think that would happen anymore. I don't blame him for that because nobody else is making it. You know, it's it's like if he's not doing it, I don't know if Blood Diamond gets made. And now I think we would be approaching this differently, and maybe different people would be behind the evolution of actually yeah. making the movie. Yes, but in 1989, I don't think there were. A lot of people lining up to make glory, you yeah. know. So I, I don't know. I, I find that hard to hold. I remember them. like one of the most fascinating making ofs, you know, and and sort of development stories when I was like younger and first starting to read about movies was Malcolm X was was the Spike Lee film because that was supposed to be like a Norman Jewison movie, I think, for a long time. And like there was right. this idea Which is that crazy. Like, I think that that was when it was finally sorting started to seep in to popular mainstream culture and white culture that like hey maybe like. <laughs> Maybe Spike Lee should direct this, man. Like, you know, like <laughs> right. maybe Norman Jewison's already had a couple of bites at the apple here. And uh, yeah, I think that that is changing. Although now the problem is, is that these kinds of movies don't get made anymore, really. Yeah. And we talked, we did the pod two weeks ago, Casino Royale, and we were talking about what an unbelievable movie year 2006 was, which I don't think I realized at the time. Yeah. You know, in because all through the 2000s, every year we were like, movies suck. Why aren't movies as good as they used to be? But actually, 06 was. We never knew how, awesome we didn't know how good we had it. <laughs> oh my God. So many action movies, so many different types of 
types of uh, great directors and all these great stars and this whole generation of actors like Damon and Leo and all these dudes that are just coming into their own as A-plus listers. And like new stars like Daniel Craig, we just kind of didn't know how good we had it. We got to talk about the accent in this movie. <laughs> um, I need to say something up top. There may be an expectation that I'm going to do a Rhodesian accent and I just can't do it. Like not out of it. I mean, it's like self -conscious. it's fucking hard. Yeah. I was before we came on the zoom, I was trying to do it. Yeah. Like, like, cause I think part of what Leo was doing, he was talking fast and put, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end in the first 20 minutes, it's really good. His accent. I'm like, wow, Leo. And then we kind of move into a different <laughs> movie. You know what the happens? Accent. The first time he, he, when he sees Conley at the bar, he drops it for a second. And I'm like, respect, <laughs> man. I probably, I probably forget where I was too. <laughs> I don't think I could do a Rhodesian accent in front of Jennifer Conley. It comes and goes. My guess is that before he made the movie, he's probably working with like a vocal coach, speech coach, uh, whatever. He's just fucking just coming off Gangs months. of New York. You know, he's Daniel day lewis out. He's like, I gotta, I gotta nail this, you know? Like, gotta nail it. So he's doing classes every day. And then you start making the movie and you're in the middle of it. Maybe you're not working as hard, but this, I'm going to do this category now. The Butch's Girlfriend Award for Weak Link of the Film is the Leo accent because it became a talking point during it because he's so good in the movie. But it's like, wait a second, what's up with the accent? And yeah, I, don't, I mean, so there's a couple different ways it could go. You could say he's an American who grew up in Rhodesia. And, that's not what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's not what they're saying. But I'm, I'm saying like there, he had they had a couple outs for the accent that I oh, think yeah. they didn't want to take. Um, but we see this with like Boston movies too. We always talk about this. Like sometimes you can't nail the accent, just make it so that the person's not from Boston. I, for me, and I've watched this movie a lot, especially the last 35, 40 minutes, it doesn't take me out of it. And I don't think it's like Costa and Robin. I, I think it's fine. There's there's just a couple scenes where it just kind of kind of leaves. I there's the only thing that actually distracts me from this movie isn't isn't really his accent as much as like he is far and away the most beautiful person in this movie and it's right. it's almost like distracting where it's like all the other guys who he's soldiers with like like the soldiers of fortune and the the colonel's men you're like these guys seem like they are like Rhodesian Rizzle soldiers dudes, yeah. and Leo has got like a blonde dye job and he's fucking awesome. He's just, he's an absolute rock star movie star in this movie, but you are, it does take you out of it a little bit. I noticed that he really only drops the accent when he's yelling. So like if he's getting into an emotional argument with Jennifer Conley, that's when, that's when you start to hear his accent. But he does like, I mean, when you think about it, it's like he's shooting 70% from the field and you take it, but you notice the 30%. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's it doesn't bother me that much. I'd give it a B plus. I think yeah. that's like one of the hardest accents anyone's gonna try. Your, your beautiful point. There's some scenes when him and Connolly are together where I don't even know how the extras in the movie were like, we're just not, we don't belong in this planet with these two. These two, these like two the, are too it, good looking. In the in the bar, the two bar yeah. scenes, like when he first meets her and when, when they dance, you're just like, man, maybe they should have made like four movies with these people, these two. Like, yeah. Like, they're, they have something really going on. Five Oscar nominations for this movie. Leo got nominated for Best Actor. And uh, Hansu got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. 
this movie did not get nominated for Best Picture. We had uh, The Departed, Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, which is a disgrace, Little Miss Sunshine and The Queen. I think you could have put five other movies from this year in that Iwo Jima spot, including this one. Best Actor, Forrest Whitaker won for Last King of Scotland. Mm-hmm. Leo is in here. Uh, Will Smith, Pursuit of Happiness, Ryan Gosling, Half Nelson, Peter O'Toole in Venus. So if Leo was in here for The Departed, I don't think he wins either. But I think we both think The Departed's a better Leo performance. Yeah, I, I, I for me that that's that's a, a slightly like a, though not like it's not like a ten eight round, but I think it's like on the scorecard he went the the Departed wins like one fifteen to one thirteen. Yeah, and you and I are also judges that are probably disposed to be departed guys you know what i mean like they they yeah. made a, a boston crime epic with martin scorsese directing it and it's the two of them screaming at each other is yeah i think he's awesome that movie uh hansu though he loses to alan arkin and little miss sunshine which i'm actually okay with because because Al, uh, alan arkin's incredible in that movie but that was a really good category that year you had him you had jackie earl haley and little children who's fucking amazing um, Eddie Murphy and Dreamgirls and Mark Wahlberg in The Departed. Wow. Yeah. Um, best Supporting Actress, Connolly didn't make it and I thought she should have. I, th- I think she's fantastic in this movie. I, re- I, re- I actually think this is her best movie. She would have done Supporting instead of Lead? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In general, like Meryl Streep didn't win Best Actress for Devil Wears Prada this year, which I don't understand. Uh, Kate Winslet, Little Children, she didn't win either, but Helen Mirren won for the crown or for the queen. And then uh, Hudson won for Dreamgirls. But I, I thought Connolly should have been nominated. Do you want to talk quickly about um, these movies, these historical kind of teach you about stuff movies? Sure. So in this case, like I had no idea, no history, no anything about uh, conflict, diamonds, and just this whole world, I didn't know about the, um, you know, the the conference that Hansu goes to at the end. Like, I, I knew nothing. Yeah, the Kimberly Conference, right. I knew a little about the African Civil War stuff and, you know, child soldiers being radicalized and and that. But for the most part, you're kind of learning on the file of this movie. I thought they did a pretty good job laying everything out. This is pretty complicated. And you actually understand it as you're watching it, you know? Yeah, and I think the choice to make DiCaprio, who he is, this essentially like mercenary who has gone from being uh, drafted into various conflicts like in Angola, et cetera, like as from his background into being a smuggler was great. Like the it would have been if he had been like a Doctors Without Borders yeah. physician and he was he was sort of this angel, but like pretty much up until he dies, you're like is this this is a pretty bad guy you know what i mean like th- this is a pretty like selfish self-interested mercenary who has killed people and it's like a really really good anti-hero and it winds up being a really good like window into this conflict they don't dumb it down either like most of what you learn about his character happens when him and uh maddie are drinking palm wine like that that drinking scene and she knows a little bit about him she knows he's in the 32nd 32 battalion um and like is talking all about like him going to angola and like then how they're splitting up the countries based on like the mineral rights and everything so it's it's like a pocket history lesson it's pretty interesting i thought it was really interesting the uh the last conference 
it was a meeting that happened in Kimberley, South Africa, and it led to this development called the Kimberley Process Certification Scheme, which sought to certify um, basically where rough diamonds came from and giving people the ability to choose whether, you know, it. I do not want a conflict diamond. Um, since the movie, though, it, it seems like they've kind of abandoned it and decided it was relatively ineffective. One of the things that I thought was really, really, really interesting um, was that basically the premise of they have too many diamonds and these these big companies the actually hide some of the diamonds yeah, yeah, to create scarcity, but they actually don't have scarcity. And this is a little bit of a Ponzi scheme, which I think is true. I don't think the diamond companies were especially happy, but even at the end, they put that diamond in the safe deposit box. It was like, are they even going to do anything with this? Yeah, the Michael Sheen character, his whole like, it's basically like he's creating like this, uh, he's choking off supply. And, and some of the factions in Sierra Leone want to essentially flood the market so that they can fund their their armies and and their but the diamond companies want to still make it so that I think there's that whole sequence where it's like they've convinced you that you need to spend 3 months of your salary on on the your diamond yeah. and they can't do that if you can get diamonds like in, in any department store. Um Roger Ebert did not review this movie. Oh. The reviews were really good for this movie, but Roger Ebert, for whatever reason, we could not find his take. He might, maybe he was sick. Day off. I know he got sick somewhere in the mid two thousands, and maybe he was sick during this stretch. Or I don't know what happened. Hundred billion dollar budget made one hundred and seventy one million, and between this and The Departed, Leo comes out of 06, I think is the biggest star in the world, right? Yes, yes. He's already been Damon's, in the biggest movie in the world, and now he's like leading. Oscar contending box office hits. And he's figured out his career at this point. I'm doing big movies with great directors or great projects. And that's going to be my career now. And mm -hmm. that's it. You will not see me. And he's just not that into you in the rom-com ensemble. And you will not, you will not see me just in a random episode of big love. Yeah. Yeah. I am just doing movies and you won't think of me otherwise and you'll see pictures of me on a boat with supermodels and that's that's how you'll know me. I'm not going to do a lot of interviews. I won't I'm not doing the talk show circuit. You're not really going to have a feel for me. I'm just going to kind of float in your out of your life in these movies playing different characters. And he's succeeded. He's done yeah. I think uh whatever his ambition was by the time this movie rolls around, he pulled it off. Let's uh take a break and then we'll do the categories. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, oh, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car. Get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three 
month plan. $15 a month. That's like, you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, most rewatchable scene. I, I wouldn't call this a rewatchable scene because it's so grim, but it's a really good scene. I just wanted to that when the terrorists take over the the village and Solomon, yeah, and the rebels come is through. telling his family to run. That 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 two minutes is just great. Yeah, um, it's also if you were going into this film at, at the time. And all the images that you've seen about it are, are essentially Leo. To have this opening like 15, is it, it's like 15 minutes. Yeah. With Jamin Hansu's character and to just be immersed in this, like in this awful, awful conflict is, is pretty, it's pretty gripping, you know? Well, basically, this is Solomon's movie, but, but yes. because Leo is so, you know, powerful in this movie and he's such a big actor it feels like it's leo's movie but it's actually not this is really solomon's movie from beginning to end that's why yeah, it's so important it's, to his, do this. it's it's the solomon vandy story as facilitated by this danny by, archer character but in yeah because hollywood is hollywood and the world of the world it's a leonardo dicaprio movie that jaiman hansu is in you know yeah you're not getting leo to be the lead part unless he's in he's you have some leo scenes Got to be at the bar with Jennifer Connelly. You got to Hollywood it up, but it works. Rewatchable scene. Solomon finding the diamond and hiding it in his feet. Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. Give it to me. The government troops are coming. Go, 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 go. Chris Ryan, we've known each other a long time. I love nothing more than when a prisoner or a captive or somebody who's working in the field finds something and then has to figure to, out to how it. to hide it from yeah. the guys with machine guns. I'm in for the next like three minutes. I, I don't think there's anything more gripping or exciting in an action movie than that, right? Yeah, usually it's a stone that he is going to slowly fashion into a shiv, but yes, like the, right. this, this any sort or like diamond. a weapon. Like it's just, oh, it, like the, the, the quick glance around, where do I hide it? I'm always in. Um, next scene Danny meets Maddie Bowen. So, which one are you? Smuggler? Am I? Somehow you don't strike me as the UNICEF type. How about soldier of fortune? <laughs> or is that too much of a cliche? Diamonds? If I told you I was a missionary. For Vandekap? Better watch that type of talk, <laughs> Miss Bowen. You know, in America it's bling bling, but out here it's bling bang, huh? I wouldn't want you getting in any trouble. In America, it's bling bling, but here it's bling bang. So I just tried to do it. Good job. Uh, <laughs> well, off the record, I like to get kissed before I get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm not. I'm not going to try anymore. 
Uh, <laughs> um, but that whole scene's really good. That all of the scenes with Danny and Maddie could just go badly and go in the wrong direction and just be like, oh man, why why did they try to shove a rom com into this? But it's totally believable. They have but it's not a con- I mean, it's more like it's more Bogart and Bergman, man. It's more they, yeah. it's like these two people at the end of the earth. It's it's really, really it's effective. The Solomon Danny chase scene. My favorite thing, really can I just say about the first bar scene, yeah. is that um, those two people are su- such smoke shows that they don't even bother pretending like they aren't f- hitting on each other. Like, yeah. as soon as he sees her, he's like, I'm coming over there, right? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, come on over. <laughs> it's like Jokic Murray pick and roll. It's like, yeah, let's it's just like, do this. We're not, we're, not, we're not playing hard to get with each other. Just come on over. <laughs> uh, the chase scene. There's a couple good chase scenes in this movie. There's the Solomon Danny chase scene, which is rewatchable. The I like that scene when Leo's whole theory that the diamond market is a Ponzi scheme, which we mentioned earlier. I think the way that's all laid out is just really smart. It makes you think. Yeah. When I get to London, I meet with Simmons. Supply and demand. You control the supply and you keep the demand high. Agreed. Good. Now. There's an underground vault where they put all the stones they buy up to keep off the market so they can keep the price high. The rebels want to flood the market with a billion dollars worth of rough, a company like Vondikop, who says that they're rare. They can't afford to let that happen, especially when they're telling some poor sod he's supposed to shell out three months' salary for an engagement ring. Now, technically speaking, they're not... They're not financing the war, but they're creating a situation where it pays to keep it going. You understand? Yes. And where's my proof? Maddie finally kind of makes a semi-move on Danny. She mm-hmm. goes, when they have the moment when he says, will God ever forgive us for what we've done to each other? And then I look around and I realize God's left this place a while ago. Great line. You Americans, you Americans love to talk about your feelings, huh? So what, what does that mean? What does that mean? You've got a thing for messed up vets Shut now? Up. You lost both your parents. That's a, that's a polite way of putting it now. Mom was raped and shot and... Um, Dad was decapitated and hung from a hook in the barn. I was nine. Boo-hoo, right? Sometimes I wonder... Will God ever forgive us for what we've done to each other? And I look around and I realize... God left this place a long time ago. But they have a moment. Do we think they hooked up? I was going to do this later for unanswerable, but I don't think so. But we can get to. I don't it think so either. Yeah. P- plus, like you know, seven eight days out in the wilderness, no showers. <laughs> Probably not feeling that sexy, right? Doesn't seem to bother. They they they'd look pretty good. If I looked back, <laughs> if I didn't go, if I went seven days without a shower. Out in the bush. I don't think I'd be looking like we Her body probably yet. doesn't produce odors. Maybe they're fine. It's probably um, right. <laughs> Maddie and Danny saying goodbye is really good. Yeah. Goodbye. And goodbye scenes in general. Uh, always get me, but that one's good. I like uh, Danny and Solomon when they have a fight 
when they're on that, when this suddenly turns into midnight run for 20 minutes, but they yeah. have the fight, but then it turns yeah. into the whole bonding montage with them where I was like, all right, this is good. Now, now these guys, we have them aligned. Um, really from this point on in the movie, this is just incredibly read the last, like I would say 30 minutes or it's just, this movie gets better as it goes. And the last 30 are great, which makes I think me wonder. Also, it's a testament to the fact that like, this is not a, a subject matter that people are really familiar with. So you get like these moments where you really don't know what's going to happen. Like when Solomon right. gets and the Colonel and all his troops, and they're looking, obviously people have been digging around the area where the diamond's supposed to be. Like, I'm like, I, I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, is this guy going to find it? Is this guy, and every time I watch it, there's actually a little bit of suspense, even though I know how it ends. And is he going to find his son? What's it, how's his son going to react? Yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch of, are they going to find the diamond? Are they going to get killed? Is he going to be able to reunite with his son? Is he going to be able to turn his son back to the good side? Are they going to be able to get out? All kinds of good stuff. So, I mean, the, these last four scenes, Danny and Solomon take over the village, reunion with the son, the airstrike, the psychotic shovel murder of the bad guy. Yeah. Colonel. Um, we have that one. We have Danny's seemingly doing the double cross, but it's not a double cross because he's actually we're still working on Solomon's side, but then realizing he got shot and Solomon bringing Dia back out of his little like uh, crazy fog. Um and then my choice is Danny giving the diamond back, saying goodbye to those guys, and calling Maddie. But you know, hold the gun on that on that air the pilot. Don't trust him yeah. at all. Like that that whole sequence is great. Ma, this is Maddie's card, huh? You call her when you get to Conakry, all right? And don't trust that pilot for a second. You point this at his head if he fucks around, all right? I can't carry you. And then Solomon getting his family back at the end. I I have the Danny scene and I have, this is going to be my Stephen A. Smith hot take. I think it's the best scene of Leo's career. Which one? Uh, on the mountain when- As he's dying? He realizes he's not going to make it. When he gives him the diamond, tells him not to trust the pilot, calls Jennifer Connelly, picking it, uh, spoiler, uh, I have no idea how he gets the cell phone reception on the mountain. It's just crystal clear. I, I don't get I don't get cell phone reception like that in Los Angeles, but he's fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, great, great, great cell phone call. I think it's really, really an emotional, awesome scene. I think he's fucking great in that scene. I really think that's the best scene in his career. I'm looking at a, an incredible view right now. I wish you were here, Maddie. Okay, then I'm coming to be with you. You just tell me where you are. I don't think so. Are you still in Kono? Because I can get someone there to help you. Maddie, you find some place safe for the boy, right? And keep him out of sight. And get Solomon to London. He's bringing something with him. And he's gonna need your help. Why aren't you bringing it yourself? Guys, this is a great question. I'm wondering, like, I personally have, like, a bunch of departed scenes or maybe even, like, right after the Shutter Island. And there's a bunch of, like, Leo scenes that's, like, jumped to mind. But this is a really good shout, though. 
I'd either go with this or the scene in Growing Pains when he realizes his dad's not going to come to see him. What about when he's like rocking out to Comfortably Numb with Vera Farmiga, though? It's not that. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm really happy I met you. And she wants to come see him. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. This also gets the uh, the great shot Gordo, the wide shot. And I would also give this the Den of Thieves Benny Hanna Award for scene stealing location. <laughs> that wide shot. I think it's like four categories. <laughs> Uh, okay i have actually my rewatchable scene is actually also my great shot gordo and that is uh when leo and so when when danny and solomon escape from freetown when solomon's working as the valet outside of the hotel oh yeah and leo goes to see him and basically they go through the back of the hotel through the luggage like storage area out the back and the whole time leo's yelling at him and then like He's like, I know white people. Like, you can. I, I'm gonna get your family back. And then, like, basically, like, they're right. Like, the t- the tension is building between the two. And then there's an explosion in the background of the shot, and the, the whole fucking escape from Freetown sequence is unbelievable. You're right. That explosion's great. It seems like it really happened. It did. It I mean, that's the thing about this movie, them. man. Like, you can see every dollar they spent. It's like they shot it in Africa. It's like it is un. It's really, really, really authentic. What's age the best? As you know, I love openings with capital letter graphics where it's like Sierra Leone, 1999. Civil Som- War rages Somber for music con- playing, yeah. Civil War rages for control of the diamond fields. And they just do, they lay it out with like four graphics. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> this, this, I, I get it. Thank you for explaining this to me. Let's go. Do you think that we um, should start going back to some of our favorites and doing that? Like put title cards over like Die Hard Christmas. <laughs> I think this is I think this is how ESPN should treat the NBA finals. Yeah. <laughs> Miami, game four. Heat culture was dying. Um more what's age the best. The the villain in this movie is fantastic. Yeah, David I have no Irwin. idea who it is. He eventually becomes eye patch guy. He's uh I mean, I think he's my Dion Waiters, but he's David Harewood who's plays the CIA director in Homeland. You know this guy. Oh wow. Really? Yeah, yeah he's a oh, like, so famous he, then British he wins actor. to that guy then. Yeah. So he wins three awards too. We're just banging out the <laughs> We're podcast. <almost> done. <laughs> <laughs> almost did pick a nits. Uh that guy's awesome. I you just like within twenty minutes you're like I hate this guy and I can't wait till we get to the part in the movie. Yeah, where- but when he goes and basically seduces Solomon's son and like like breaks him down and rebuilds him, you're like this is like a pretty multi dimensional character. So I had that in What's Age the Best too. Not obviously not. This isn't an uplifting What's Age the Best, but I, it really shows you how these groups can radicalize the little kids and turn them into child soldiers. They do such a good job. And it's not, they don't bang you over the head with it, but it's like three, four different small scenes where you're like, I get it. I get how Dia now has, you know, that he can look at his dad and not even want to like acknowledge him. Yeah, when you fire this up and you'll see it, it's like two hours and 40 minutes and you're like, what the fuck? Like this is, does this need to be this long? But the care that Zwick takes to show like all these different aspects of the story rather than just Archer and Maddie, which is would have been the easy sort of 90 minute 
like these two people are in love, but he has to leave her because he needs to go do this. It's like that they, they really get pretty in deep in deep. Like, you know, the visit to the refugee camp is the same way. We're just like, holy shit. Like this is a really like detailed depiction of something that I think most people would rather just ignore in their day-to-day life. Yeah, and I'm sure the studio, if it wasn't Zwick, who had had a lot of If it wasn't DiCaprio, who's like, I'm an issues like guy, like DiCaprio obviously is a huge environmentalist and like, yeah. I think probably is like, nope, if I'm doing this, we're going to make sure that there's like a refugee camp scene, that there's a child soldier scene, that we explain like the culpability of the West and conflict diamonds, like all that stuff. Yeah, in the wrong hands, this is like a one hour and 50 minute movie. We have really no Solomon backstory at all. And he's just a vessel for whoever the lead actor is to have their big scenes. Yeah. Morewood Sage the best. The the hiding and pulling a diamond out of your tooth cap. <laughs> is this, is, would you put this or cast away for using a knife to pull your own tooth out to for some sort of advantage? Probably, probably castaways. It's also awesome how like he it's like an ATM machine. He like pulls it out, immediately sells it, immediately gives money to his pilot to give to Solomon. Like you can see the economy that Hap comes out of those diamonds. Yeah. I like those old light blue VW bugs that oh, yeah. they, they drive in one of those. So it's like, still, I still gives me a little buzz to see those. Um, Leo in 2006 has aged the best for me where we, we don't go on a journey this often with the child actor. It's very honestly similar to LeBron watching like, oh man, the potential of this person would be so cool if he could hit all the checkpoints and then they actually do. Yeah. And I think the 06, you know, like we talked about at the top, that's aged the best. Just like, oh man, he fucking did it. He got there. He's reached the top of the mountain and we were along for the entire ride. We're watching it kind of happen with Michael B. Jordan now, right? Like, so we kind of knew him as a kid actor in The Wire and then in Friday Night yeah. Lights. And now he's basically playing Tom Clancy parts and is in Creed and shit. And it's sort of happening too with Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet and I guess Tom Holland a little bit. But like, it's hard when you're doing superhero movies because they that's that's primarily what people know you from. But the idea of doing... Uh, a bunch of different roles and then like transitioning from being like a cool kid actor into an adult. Like, I think that's like basically what Chalamet is trying to do right now. It's, it's basically the hardest thing to do if you're a movie star is to convince people that you're somebody And I don't know if else. he has the physicality that Leo somehow summoned. I mean, he put on some weight and muscle for this movie and filled out a little more. And I, I don't know if Chalamet is going to be able to do that. You know, who, like, you I, know who did a really good job doing this is, is our girl, Sydney. I don't know if you watch that that movie reality, but she's awesome in it. And it's like she's she's kind of like trying to do that too. It's pretty impressive. I'd like to apologize to Sydney for talking about Jennifer Connolly too much earlier. <laughs> I don't want her to think she's not our queen. No, she was she was great in that movie. I think her next 15 years are gonna be fascinating. The kind of parts she picks and kind of where she goes and what happens. But um, she she also might do the Jennifer Connelly thing where she just moves to Brooklyn and pops in some movies and disappears for a while. Who knows? Uh, what else do you have for what stage is the best? Um, just some of the asides, like you, you know, like I'm not gonna do the accent, but that but like that's for breaking my TV, brew. Like, like just like that, <laughs> the the sort of patois and language of the movie is really fascinating. And I love the the fact that essentially once they get hooked up back with Maddie after the escape from Freetown all the way through the end of the movie, it's just a road movie. 
Um, and it really does feel like a road movie. You really feel like they're making this journey all the way up through when they drop Maddie at the the military encampment, and then when they get back to the to the mines. It's it's actually you get to see like like all this all this landscape and and you, you know the thing about road movies is it really it does establish relationships between characters just the way it does in real life when you're on the road with somebody. Yeah, there's a little DNA with the Killing Fields. Yeah. With uh Waterston's character and Dith Pran and uh Malkovich's character. Um for people listening if you haven't seen that movie that's one of I think one of the best 80s movies. But same kind of thing where you're thrown into this crazy location but you kind of have no choice but to bond with a couple of people. Um, Big Kahuna Burger Award for best use of food and drink was I has to be the palm wine, which is used oh. in like three different three different ways. Yeah. Okay. Right? So the palm wine is both a disinfectant and a drink. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an aphrodisiac and a disinfectant. It's great. The uh, the Vincent Chase Award for the are we sure this character was actually good at, good at their job? What kind of reporter was Maddie? What's Vital going on? Affairs Magazine. <laughs> what is Vital Affairs Magazine? <laughs> Can I buy that in a newsstand? Where where do I get it? Do well, they have a I website? Just, by 2006, I had been writing freelance like record reviews for a few years. And I got to say, I don't know that like based on how magazines were paying back then, it would be like you had like $400 for like four months. So I, right. I, I don't know like what like her or her wedge was she was making, but it is tough to like put together. I love the idea of like foreign correspondent war journalists that are like running around from Afghanistan to Bosnia to Africa. Like that's a very, you know, seductive story, but like it, it is kind of like, yeah, why not go New York times or Washington post? Yeah. She's her own photographer too. She's like, damn, like you know, I mean, it's possible she was like a rich kid. Sure. She she mentions at one point she has the three sisters and they all got married, but she's the one. So it's like, all right, is there some like, you know, Connecticut backstory? She's from like Darianne. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's age the worst? Stephen Collins is in this movie, who's tough Wikipedia, if, if you haven't uh, seen what, what happened with him since this movie. The... The chopping the hands off is really tough. Yeah. Yeah. As a rewatchable, I mean, like, yes, of course it is. I, I almost like, not even from a rewatchable standpoint, like I almost wonder if that needed to be in there. I think it has to be to make, I guess, but to make man. it kind of like you have to see what was going on there. And then they even explain it later when the, 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 the guy that they meet up with is like the Belgians are the ones who started this. I get it. It's, it's really rough. Um, the cell phone reception on the mountain, fucking, that's a what's age the worst <laughs> and a nitpick. It's just <laughs> like, at what, there's no like, wait, you're cutting out. <laughs> the best would be if they had made it today. It would have been five minutes of, wait, hold, hold on. I got my AirPods in. Okay, no, wait, my AirPods are burning out of batteries. One second. Wait, I'm going to, can I put wait, you on, on speaker for a second? <laughs> hold on. I'm going to use my wire pods. Yeah. Any, uh, what's age the worst for you other? Other than this, other than the fact that I guess the ending of the story that the diamond industry was changed, it doesn't seem like that actually happened. So that that could basically be an age the worst. No, I think what's age the worst probably is is the the white gaze. You know, it's like it's telling these stories where you're like, well, we got to have Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Connelly at the center of this story about African civil war and conflict diamonds and mutilation and child soldiers. You know, like that that is a decision. That's a good point. So. 
if they make this movie now, it's probably Daniel Kaluuya in the Danny part, right? Yeah. Or like, I mean, it's just about Solomon. It's about a guy who has to go. And maybe there is the Danny Archer character, but he's 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 got the screen time and the sort of uh, kind of attention to detail that the Solomon character has in Blood Diamond. And so instead of it, it's just like a guy who's like, I'll help you, but only if you get me the diamond. And that's the, we don't get the plum wine scene, the bar scene, any of the sort of kernel scenes. Like it's all shot for, through the perspective of the, of the Solomon character. Not positive I would like that movie more. Cause I, I really like the Danny character too. I think what I like about this movie is how it juggles both of their stories. Sure. Yeah. I'm but sure. yeah, you're probably, I, I don't think it's a white guy playing the Danny part if we, if we're doing this again. Right. Ron Burgundy flew toward best time for a pee break. I mean, you know. Child you soldier probably, indoctrination. Yeah. Yeah, I could probably go. There's some, some tough ones in there. The Mallory Rubin Award, did this movie need a better sex scene? <laughs> that goes to the whole, did they hook up or not after yeah. day eight? Um, I don't know. Maybe they could have climbed into a, a tent or something. I'm going to say no, but... Who knows? All bets are off with these mid two thousand movies. Was there a better title for this movie? I'm going to say no. What do you think? Uh, no, Blood Diamond actually introduces to the most of the massive, like the the world, the idea of Blood Diamond. So I think they nailed it. Best quote: We already mentioned a couple. I like when he says, "You Americans love to talk about your feelings." I yeah. thought it was really strong. Yeah, it was kind of a dig, but I was like, you know, he's not wrong. Danny's speaking some truth right now. Let's take a break and then we'll do casting what ifs and the rest. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know, it sounds good after a long day. Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it. All that creamy, soft serve, hand mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. All right. So casting what ifs. I couldn't find a lot for this one. Me neither. There wasn't, nobody's written like the oral history of Blood Diamond or there's no anniversary piece about it. There, 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 nobody's done that like big sweep of all the things you need to know about Blood Diamond. So unfortunately, the only casting what if I found was that Russell Crowe was the other possibility for Danny Archer. Really? And they had a chance to get Leo and went with Leo. And that was kind of the tail end of the Russell Crowe run. Yep. And he had done so, uh, Beautiful Mind with Conley, right? Right. I will say, I'm, I'm glad we have proof of life Russell Crowe over here and we have Leo as Danny Archer over there. I feel like they would have liked each other, maybe yeah. even teamed up. <laughs> The Ruffalo Hannah Rubinek Partridge overacting word. They knew and they let it happen. Don't you call me lady. I come in here. I give these things to you. Give me all you got. Listen. Give me all you got. I treated you like a son. You fucking stabbed me in the heart. Fuck you.
Our guy Hansu dials it up a couple times. I mean, for the circumstances, with reason. Yeah, it's it's it, it, him and, and Captain Poison, like the the David Harewood character, both jack it up a bunch. Eye patch guy jacks it up. There's yeah. some jacking up. That's that guy. I guess we already handed that one out, but I wanted to point out Colonel Kotzi, Kotz Kotzi. Yeah, Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> Arnold Vosloo, that guy from the Mummy. He was also in Hard Target. Yeah. <laughs> Deanne Waiters, the uh, evil eye patch guy, and um, and uh, Sheen. Yeah, I love I, I love a little Sheen's Michael like Sheen. so oily and scummy. I wish in this. I wish we had like a little bit more Michael Sheen in the movie. Yeah, there could have been like a espresso scene or something where he's just being super oily and greasy. <laughs> <laughs> Recasting couch. We basically already did this, but in twenty three, I think Daniel Kaluuya is Danny Archer. I, I think you could lock that one down unless you would go with the Michael B. Jordan trying an accent move. No, I mean, um, it depends on whether you're updating the story to today or not. But yeah, I, I think I think it would be it would be made through that perspective. And let's throw a bone to our, our other queen, Sydney Sweeney. Maybe she's Maddie. Oh, she's Maddie. She's working yeah. for like for Vice or something like that. <laughs> She's, no, it's still it's still Vital what's Vital the magazine? Affairs magazine. It's still Vital Affairs magazine. Still doing well. They're thinking about merging with BuzzFeed. It's funny too because uh, when she goes up to people and she's like, "I work for Vital Affairs magazine," they're like, "Oh, whoa, VA, yeah." <laughs> Half fascinated research. I don't have a ton here, but um, when Danny arrives in South Africa, two women are standing in the airport, and he walks by them, and they are Leo's mother and grandmother. Yes, I thought that was interesting. The name Dia means expensive in the uh, adapted language of Sierra Leone. Jennifer Connelly suffered a like a pretty bad neck injury while filming a car chase scene during this movie. You Thought know, that it's was interesting because she th that that scene when they do the car chase that she and uh, it's her character Solomon and Danny are running away from. I think that's when the child soldiers shoot the the guy. She's like, there's no shots of her as they're getting away. And I was like, oh, she must like obviously have not been in the car. I wonder if that's because she got injured doing that. I think that's why. Maybe they didn't have the stunt woman for her because they didn't realize they needed it. And then uh, Leo gained several pounds of muscle and trained with former Rhodesian soldiers for his role. I thought he was really convincing with a gun in this movie. That was one of the things that surprised me. Yeah, he got, I mean, like, you could tell that this kind of character, it's basically this, Departed, and then in Body of Lies, which is actually, like, a pretty pretty cool movie, like the the movie he made with uh, Russell, Russell Crowe. I still can't get there with it. I like, I like it. I'm not, I keep I'm not... testing it. <laughs> Just can't totally get there yet. You, you like it more than it. I do. I think I do. I like the first half of it when it's like the two of them on on uh, like speakerphone with each other or Bluetooth with each other. But this is this sort of like lone wolf guy is obviously a dude that Leo has been chasing. Apex Mountain. I mean, it's got to still be Titanic for Leo. But by the way, my last, my only piece of internet research that we didn't hit is just the De Beers, the actual diamond company. Not psyched about this movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we should have mentioned that. Apex Mountain, Leo, is, it's Titanic, but this is kind of a second Apex Mountain for him. Yes. This is like, whoa, okay, you're you're Paul Newman. Got it. And then The Revenant, would, I think, would be his third Apex Mountain. He's, yeah. he's had a three Apex career. Also, Apex Di Mountain for Blonde Leo. Good call. Yeah. What would you say for Connolly? Uh, I think... <sighs> 
I mean, it's really hard for me to to pick anything but her standing in front of a fucking Porsche and Top Gun Maverick. It's hard to not think it was Top Gun Maverick because I feel like she could get any role she wants right now after Top Gun Maverick. Like she's over Reese Witherspoon. A- anybody in her kind of her rookie class, she's yeah. getting the first call, I feel like, out of all those people. Jaiman Hansu, I'm going to say no. Okay. I would say Amistad, like, but I don't know. Because Gladiator, he's great too. I would say it's this just because like this is like a real part. Like, I mean, this is like he's got the arc. Yeah, you're probably right. You're right. And Connolly, we don't even know. It's it's probably Top Gun. We're probably good with that. Um, how about Diamond movies? Give me, give me. What are we talking about here? Diamonds are forever. Marathon Man. Hot Rock. Uh, no, it's Marathon Man. It's definitely Marathon Man. It's Marathon Man. I agree. Best uh, racehorse name. What about Diamond Mine? Yeah. Yeah. Or just Diamond. <laughs> I like... um Something with Diamond in it would sound... Danny Archer is a good horse name too, I think. I, I was going to say TIA. Oh, that's good. I like that. Picket Nits. Can't wait to throw this one at you. <laughs> As you know, this is a big nitpick for me in action movies where days pass on people on the road. Leo's facial hair, just, just staying perfect. <laughs> Shaved between the the mouth and the chin. I know. Just just perfectly tailored and the three-quarter goatee. Yeah, it's it's it should just be so much more disheveled by day eight. Any of us are just gonna look like a fucking mess. And he's just got the perfectly, it's like he's manscaping, you know, in a tent. Um there's a there's a geographical nitpick where Danny gets arrested by Liberian border guards while crossing the border from Sierra Leone to Liberia, which means he would end up in a prison in Liberia and not in Sierra Leone where he where he met uh, Solomon. Solomon, right. So that was just a the geographical nitpick. Diamonds inside the skin of the goat, though. Learned a little something. We should have put that in What's Age the Best. I thought that was really smart. Yeah, I love smuggling tips. Yeah, smuggling is always what stage the best. Um, Solomon sees his kid through the fence in the refugee camp. I think Solomon seems like a smart guy. He's pretty savvy. He just completely flips out, and it just seems like he's going to get shot. And I know he was upset, but was it, I, it never totally adds up to me that he reacts like that because it's like, you're just going to get shot. What are you doing? Right. I think he's probably despondent at that point, but yeah. Yeah, it's like he breaks, but it, I I don't love that scene. Um, The other one that's a little dicey is when they get, they're on the road trip and they get uh, stopped by the soldiers and then Maddie saves the day by, she starts taking pictures of Oh, can of I everybody. take your picture? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, all right, this feels a little TV movie-ish. Why does Benjamin the nice guy get shot? Why do we do that? Did, were they just like, hey, we haven't had a, a shooting sequence in 15 minutes? Like, but they that guy him, just could have dropped yeah. them off. Yeah. There's just kind of no reason for that whole scene. It just could have been like, hey, this guy's going to drive us. Oh, now we're here. If we're looking to cut five minutes, I, I might have cut that one. And then uh, the cell phone reception, the last scene. Any other pick and nits for you? So I, I wonder if this is historically accurate, but this is just a personal preference. In Sierra Leone, in, the, in a beach bar, I'm not drinking bottled Guinness. 
which is I, I wanted to know whether that was like a product placement thing, but like they they're just like crushing Guinnesses and it, it's like yeah, that's probably a hundred degrees. Yeah, you're going way lighter. Yeah, yeah. There's gotta you're be doing like, like a, Coronas, or you're doing like tequila and soda with a splash of lime. You're, he's doing you, shot I, Guinness. Give me a Guinness. Guinness at four o'clock. Guinness at two a.m. I'm just like, are is there something about Guinness that maybe it's to like a, a food replacement thing? But I was just like, why would you Guinness get like? And if you're Guinness, were you like, we gotta get him Blood Diamond? <laughs> I've never understood the Guinness order. To me, it's like having a milkshake. It's just, I, I it, it's, it's not exactly a light, breezy beer. Yeah. You know, it's like a fucking choice. Like you're in Ireland. You're, what was that movie with Colin Farrell and the other guy? <laughs> Fred Gleason in, in Bruges or Banshees of Inishurant? Yeah. Yeah. You're in Banshees, just like, man, my life sucks. I'm just going to drink Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> just pound the shit. I don't get Guinness at all. Sequel, prequel, prestige TV, all black cast are untouchable. I think that this movie has prestige TV bones. I had that written as well. I this think would that, be a really interesting prestige TV because then we could really go into all the diamond stuff. You could go yeah. into the um, the child soldiers. and Zwick obviously knows how to make television. Um, I, think that, I think that this would have been a pretty cool prestige TV show. We could go into the offices of Vital Affairs Magazine, see what's going on there. What what other pieces they're working on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's their revenue plan for next year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we sent Maddie to. Uh, yeah, she sent another expense report. It's twenty eight thousand dollars. Um, so just pay that one off. Is this movie better with Wayne Jenkins, Danny Trejo, Catherine Hahn, Steve Buscemi, Sam Jackson, J.T. Walsh, or Philip Baker Hall? What do you think, Chris? Uh, I was trying to think of where Wayne fits into this movie. <laughs> I think it would be funny if at the end of the movie when she gets the phone call from Danny, when Maddie like is sitting at a cafe somewhere in Europe, and then when she like comes back to the table of Wayne Jenkins was just like, God damn, Maddie, you know, we're all here drinking espresso. I didn't know I was here with the most popular girl in the world. What are you getting calls from Africa? That's pretty rude. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I was thinking he could be the pilot too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. The Australian pilot. Yeah. Like at the tail end when Solomon makes it. Ah, Solomon, goddamn. <laughs> uh, you ain't got to put a gun on me, man. <laughs> I'm just so fucking impressed. Just one Oscar. Who gets it? Who do you uh, got? Man, I got, I got, I got Leo. I got Leo, but I still, I'm still like a kind of a, I still think he got robbed for the departed in this year. What do you think? Z yeah. Zwick? What about Zwick? It's tough. So, it, you know, we talk about this with basketball sometimes where they're, we're always like fucking up the all-NBA teams. And nobody's like totally happy with how that goes with like center and like front court. And if Jokic and Embiid are two of the best players in the league, why would they not be both on first team? And then there's a thought of, should it just be a list of... 
here are the best seven players in the league this year. And you're just, and it's a different list. And maybe you do it at the end of the playoffs as a way to commemorate whatever, or maybe it's the best 10. Maybe that would reflect better on the Jamal Murray season versus regular season. Like nobody knows the answer, but we're clearly not doing it a hundred percent correctly. And I feel like with the Oscars, if somebody has an awesome year, Mm-hmm. That's that kind of is more than one movie, whether they're in two movies or three or they're two different types of movies or they get nominated for two different movies. There should be like a special dispensation for like the, yeah, be- the best something. year. Yeah, because Hanks has done that before, I think, right? Like Hanks has had like like two movies. Like Spielberg has done that where he's had two movies in contention. Because the thing is, Like I read that book, Oscar Wars, which I thought was really good. And you'd think like the Oscars started in the 1920s and they've kind of kept it basically the same way since how they did the awards and everything. But the whole point of the Oscars or the whole point of the All-NBA, MVP stuff, whatever you're going to pick, sports or pop culture, it's supposed to be a snapshot of the year and who matters and what stood out and who had a special year and what sort of order things were and whatever. And you know, there's you go back at 06 and there's no way to commemorate basically anything about this crazy Leo year. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's where... You know who does it well is uh, in soccer, they have the Ballon d'Or as like the player of the year, but they take into consideration or they do weigh both what you do with your club, but also like in the national team. So like, you know, Luka right. Modric will be like, because Croatia has a great year and Real Madrid has a great year. But that almost feels like it takes into the totality of the year. You know, like it, it, it acknowledges that. So maybe we need that for, for acting. Yeah. Probably unanswerable questions. I only had one because we've hit everything else. What's the best Leo death scene? Because he has two great ones in 06. He dies in both movies, which is another unusual thing about Leo because usually the A-plus listers don't want to die in a movie. Yeah, well, this is like The Departed is so sudden. And then but you could is, argue that's what makes it so great is yeah. that you have no idea it's coming. You think he finally pulled it off. He's taking the guy down in the elevator and just gets shot in the head. Yeah. And or this, this one. But, but this I one's think the this more romantic. The he gets the, the final phone call. He gets to look at the sunset, you know? Does he die at the end of Revenant? I can't remember. I can't remember oh. either. Oh, the reason I brought this up was because we also have the Titanic death scene. Oh, yeah. That's the iconic one. Come on. He floats away. Is it better than the Blood Diamond death scene, though? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Blood Diamond's great. Makes a cell phone call. He shoots some guys. Yeah. He fi- kind of finally realizes that there's some good inside this, and him. And this is where he belongs. Yeah, right. Titanic, it's just like, man, we couldn't have switched for 20 minutes. You couldn't have gotten in the water, and then I could have gotten on the boat. Maybe not frozen to death. <laughs> the Indian Red Zawantne Award for what happened the next day. Well, we find out. We don't know what happens with Maddie's career. I don't know if she. Yeah, did she write you know, a may, book? Is this just maybe like a she's couple, running Vice? Couple after of blogs. This. Yeah, right. Yeah, she's an author. Maybe right. maybe she has a podcast about vital affairs. What piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? Um, pretty clearly, the diamond. Yeah, I also like some of Leo's like short sleeve shirts in the beginning of it, like the kind of Hawaiian joints that he's got. But yeah, the yeah, diamond. a couple of the, his hat. I think Leo's hat would be good in this. Yeah. It's a little Indiana Jones's. Um, Coach Finstock Award for best life lesson. 
I don't know. What would you go with here? We could skip this one. I don't know what the life lesson is from this movie other than uh, maybe think twice as you're buying an expensive diamond. I think even if you can help one person, it's enough. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Who won the movie? Because there's that whole moment where Maddie is like, you, you know, like, I could, I would have to do all that just to help one person. And then she's like, I can't believe I just said that. So I always like that scene. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. And Leo wins the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to our guy, producer Craig Horlbeck. Conspicuously quiet throughout this one. <laughs> um, you guys missed the what's age the best? Lab grown diamonds. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Kind of a big thing these days. Is um, it good one? Yeah, I think it's like growing in popularity. I I thought about it when I was in pursuit of a diamond ring not too long ago. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I try to bring a younger perspective to these movies when I watch them and I haven't seen them. I, this is one of the few Leo movies I haven't seen. What'd you think? I really liked it. I don't You guys talking about like these mainstream movies about brutal subjects. Yeah. That's like, you know, kind of an educational film, but it's really well done. It's like an action film about a really tough topic. Definitely doesn't get made anymore. You're so right. Or maybe they do get made. They're just not with like movie stars in a theater. Like I'm sure these, these subjects are still being made. Now the really tough watch movies that get like awards are just like sad. They're like sad dramas now. It's like the whale. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. See, Chris and I grew up on this era of big splashy Hollywood movies about really tough subjects. Yeah, like, like Sidney so Pollack, yeah. Ed Zwick, these directors kind of making these huge like sweeping. And these were also very often the the Oscar movies. Like this was always the rap on the Oscars is not the movie needs to be about something like this. Now it's like a documentary yeah. or it's like a sad movie. It's like Marriage Story is now the type of like prestige, dramatic, sad, tough watch movie that gets awards buzz. Also, I wanted to say my first exposure to like this whole, the, the conflict diamond world is Kanye's song, which came out around the same time, Diamonds from Sierra Leone, which right. is like how people my age, like we're like, what is this about? We like looked that up and that's how we kind of learned about that. Yeah, that's interesting. The, um, I'm trying to think of, so in the documentary era, which basically starts right after this, late 2000s, I wonder, like, does Edswick just make a documentary about the diamond industry in the early 2000s versus an actual $100 million Hollywood movie? And also, like, who would greenlight the $100 million Hollywood movie? I think also this is, like, I, I don't like to always go back to this, but this is an in, sort of... It's not that it says anything about the actors who are doing superhero movies, but, like, this this would be, like, a Chris Hemsworth movie now. Yeah. Right. Like this, this would be if you were Chris Hemsworth and you were Thor and you were a big star and they were like, all right, what do you want to make? You would be like, I have this thing that I've learned about that's very close to my heart. I mean, Leo's doing this now with Killers of the Flower Moon. He's still doing it where he's like, this book is important. This story needs to be told. And if my stardom can get it made, then all the better. Let's do it. And he gets Scorsese and Apple and a quarter of a billion mm. dollars to make it. You just don't see that kind of move being made by major movie stars anymore. Whether or not you there are major movie stars, you, that's a whole debate that Sean and Amanda have all the time. But I think it's interesting that like, you know, like the 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 major actors today don't really seem to be pursuing these films. Well, the risk reward factor is just way different. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably pursued these type of super ambitious issue oriented movies more than anyone in the last 20 years. I mean, even the McKay movie, which yeah, I didn't don't like look up. It's like, much, obviously, but. he's a huge environmentalist, and like, that's obviously something that's really important to him. 
I am nostalgic for movies like this. That was one of the reasons I want to do it on the rewatchables. I just like these big splashy movies that are about something that have heroes. And I just don't feel like they make them enough anymore. And I, and I don't think the studio system is really incentivized to even try to make movies like this. Well, anymore. and especially if you make something. So like for, for, for me personally, I think I'm a bigger fan of the movie, the siege than this, even though the siege is probably mm. aged worse in some ways. And I wonder whether or not there's like a reticence to make current affairs movies, like really contemporary, like, hey, this is like happening or this was just happening movies because yeah. our perspectives on these things are so fluid and, and the way you think about them can change so much. I mean, you just think about like when the siege got made, I think that's pre 9-11. And, but like, yeah, it was late 90s. Yeah, and it's like, you know, that movie is like kind of lost to history. It's an amazing Denzel performance and a really great Annette Benning performance, but it's like... You, you, that movie is essentially obviated by the next two years of history. Yeah. I mean, also, like, don't you think studios are just more globally focused now and they want movies that appeal to the entire world? And I mean, look at the villains in Top Gun Maverick. Like, they're right, right, <sighs> right. We, we don't even know who the villains were. I feel like Craig, deep down, is sitting on a, I don't think Leo's that good of an actor take. I just no. feel like it's like bubbling no. in, his, in his stomach. You're, you're completely off. Leo's my favorite actor. Okay, good. I'll, I will say though, there's another actor and I've never said this to anyone and I'm I'm saving it for the hottest take. You might fire me when I say it, but there's one actor out there who I have that opinion about. I can't wait. We're going to start filming hottest takes very soon, actually. So I hope- uh, Is I that hope actor's that. initials TC, Craig? No. No, okay. it's not Tom Cruise. Okay. That's still Sean's worst take ever. I mean, unfortunately, that's going to go on Sean's gravestone. <laughs> the Tom Hanks Cruise debacle of 2023. Um, all right. That's it for the rewatchables. We're going to go back to a normal schedule um, starting next week for the, okay. for the listeners. The NBA finals and some travel stuff screwed things up. So um, starting next week, we're going to be back. With a fun one. We just... Yeah, we'll just say it now. We're doing uh we're doing the third Indiana Jones movie. Last Crusade, yeah. It's happening. Let's fucking do it. Uh Rewatchables produced by Craig Coralbeck as always. CR, wonderful to see you, my friend. Um, Great to see you and too, I'll SG. see you next week for Indie Three. <laughs> <laughs>